Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Knock On Podcast, brought to you by Zero Tackle. Now, Dan, rugby league is the sport that just continues to give you everything. Just when you think the games are slowing down and the season's coming to an end, the news never stops. What have you got for us this week, Dan? It never does, mate. It is so prelim final week, which means uh, there'll be a bit of talk about the teams later. But um, speaking of teams, mate, we have the players team of the year that has been named. A little bit of conjecture, not a terrible side by any stretch. Uh, for those that haven't seen it, I'm going to read it out right here exclusively. Well, not exclusively, you can find it on Twitter. Fullback, Reese Walsh, which we both agreed upon was a pretty pretty simple uh, choice. The wingers were Watani Zelezniak and Brian Toto. Now, Terry, what do you think about this? I think anyone who watched Every, you know, who watched rugby league this year could tell you five wingers better than Brian Toto and two of them played for Newcastle. The fact that Marju or Dominic Young did not get in there is awful. And I think Jermaine Asako as well, the leading point scorer, one of the leading try scorers in the competition. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm stoked for Dallin martinez Lesniak because he started the season really slow and ended, you know, he's he's amazing. Certainly is. Now, uh, fair enough. The centres, Herbie Farnworth and Stephen Crichton, who I believe were our were our centres. Uh, Sean Johnson was the number seven, which I think picks itself. Now, a bit of conjecture here. Number six, Cam Munster. I picked Cam Munster. I think Cam Munster was the best six in the competition. Fair enough. I went Ezra Man, but I'm not I'm not going to fight you too much on that. I'm going to save that for later. I think who, um, who was the other 5'8 that was nominated, though? Was it Jerome Luai or... Was it someone else? I'm not sure, to be honest. I only saw this team since I first ever heard about it. So Yeah, no, there, there was – I don't think the conjecture was uh, Munster or Mam. I think the conjecture was the third player that was nominated for it didn't belong there. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, in the back row, we got uh, – this is the one I had a problem with. We got Hamoli Olukowatu, who – I had his number three, so no real complaints there. But Liam Martin was the other second row, which I find pretty egregious. A lot mm-hmm. of people on Twitter, mainly Panthers fans, almost exclusively Panthers fans, did come in to argue. But I've got to say, mate, I feel like David Fafita and Britton Nicara were streaks ahead of Liam Martin and probably a little bit against Olukowatu, who probably bullied a few terrible sides later on and padded his stats. But number three, no fight. Liam Martin, though, got to go. I don't even think Liam Martin was the best second rower at his club this year. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Scott Sorensen had a much, much, much better season than him. Now, look, Liam Martin is a hell of a player and he is one of the premier back rowers in the competition. But I think he only played like 12 games. Three from the bench. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Dave Fafida is the obvious one who to miss out here that, you know, could really feel ripped off. And I think that, you know, you can make a case for Britton Nicara or uh, Oluokawatu or Colin Matangi or Scott Sorensen or, you know, Jordan Ricky or uh, any 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 of those players. I think, you know, Liam Martin played less than 50% of the games this year or, or bang on 50% of the games this year. Nah, not for me. Who was the yeah, lock? The lock was Patrick Carrigan, which I don't agree yeah. with, but I'm not mad about. It was either him or you. Which, you know, arguments there. Uh, front, Harry Grant is the number nine. I think he was the only nine who played well across the season. Uh, then you got Adam Fanor, Blake, and Payne Haas, who I think were the only two in the running for the props. 
Well, I think, you know, just there where you said the only nine to play well across the season was Harry Grant. I, I don't agree with that. I feel that there were two other number nines who were very, very good this year. Uh, Reese Robson obviously gets himself into the Origin team this year. And I think Api Corusau, if you just had a look at pure raw numbers, Api Corusau was incredible. His team just let him down. So Harry Grant is the correct answer, but he didn't win it by, like I've seen a lot of people turn around and say he, he won it by a long way. Look, Maybe, but there were there were two others who who definitely deserved a shout. Yeah, pretty pretty good side, but uh, transitioning into a side that ain't so good. Those poor old little brother, little sister across the uh, the bridge at the Dragons, mate. The Ben Hunt situation just will not go away. Now, for those who don't understand the reference, every time he's asked, "Hey, you looking forward to next year?" Yeah, we're working towards it. We're doing this. We're doing that. He will not commit to the St George Illawarra Dragons. Like he's their captain, Terry. He's their million-dollar halfback, and he will not buy in. The, the, here's, here's the thing for mine that really annoys me about Ben Hunt is he re-signed this year before the next two seasons. So that's that's the part that's very problematic. You know, if he was... Five years into a seven-year deal, you could you can understand and go, okay, well they've let him down for five years, but you're also a part of that problem. And then today he's basically said, oh, the Titans won't get a look at it, and the Broncos didn't even contact me. He's angling for a move to Redcliffe. If I'm the Dolphins, I don't touch him. I think his best bet would be to go to the Broncos and play number nine and try and pinch you to premiership there. But if I, again, if I'm if I'm those three Queensland teams, I'm looking at his attitude. I'm looking at the way that he's doing them dirty, and I'm probably thinking, ah, you know what? Not for me. Not for me here. No, no way. He's a tremendous player, but his attitude is not right. And considering that, you know, he, he's owned, what, five or six million dollars across his time at the Dragons and hasn't really delivered anything, let's be honest. Don't get me wrong. The team around him is pretty, pretty terrible. But, I mean, this is the bloke who's supposed to be out there leading the charge, getting everyone on side, getting ready for this new incoming coach. They've signed a, um, a half partner for him in Kyle Flanagan. You know, the build's on. Flanagan, Shane, that is, obviously doesn't want to let him go, sees him as the cornerstone of the club and wants him to say, oi, commit, and he just refuses to do it. Super frustrating if I'm a Dragons fan. Lucky I'm not. Yeah, look, I, I, again, the other thing that you got to look at, if, if you're dealing with a player who had – won a premiership or two and was a noted semi-final semi-finalist, you know, and had dragged bad Dragons teams to the finals, right? And let's let's our club here, right? The Sharks. We watched Sean Johnson literally snap his leg to get us into a final series. We have watched Nico Hines carry Matt Moylan to two final series. We've watched Ben Hunt take his team further and further and further down the line. They haven't played finals since 2018. I don't really think he's got a calling to turn around and go, I demand out, when he's a huge part of the issue that is at Cronulla. Now, Shane Flanagan coming in could look at it two ways. He could look at it and go, I'm going to keep this guy because he's the captain, he's our best player. He could look at it and go, there's $1.2 million worth of money that I have there and the Dragons are a notable club. And he is a coach who gets results out of players. So you'd be probably seeing some players turn and go, well, you know, Flano's got a bit of money. Maybe I could go there and turn my career around. So 
who knows what's going to happen there. But look, I'm just glad it's not us for once. Absolutely. And I dare say that if there was a pretty handy fullback, uh, halfback rather, on similar money coming available, I think you'd see Ben Hunt Rissold, but they can't at the moment because there's no one there. But, mate, we had something else here, and the West Tigers just said, Oi, pick me, pick me. The West Tigers bring in the lols. Your second favourite team, Terry. I'm going to leave this with you, and then I'm going to react. Look, I just I, – I, I don't know where to start. I really I really don't know where to start, but uh, Lee Hagipantelis has been re-elected on the West Tigers board – for the next three years. Now, before anyone jumps and turns around and says, oh, you know, this is a dreadful decision. It is a dreadful decision, but not on the part of the club that he runs. He runs the financial sides of things. He runs the commercial sides of things. Financially, the Tigers are stable. Commercially, they've got loads of sponsors and they make lots of money. They've got lots of members. They earn lots of money on membership and merchandise. So that part of the club is doing really well. But overall, he oversees a whole part of this systemic failure that is happening out there. And then they turn around and go, you know what? You know what? Do you know what's better than changing? Let's keep it happening for another three years. Because Justin Pascoe is probably going to get reelected. And it's just going to, you know, it's just going to be wave after wave after wave of negativity. And I think what they're trying to do is back themselves into the Benji Marshall corner and turn around and go, it isn't our problem. It, it's not our problem. They're the decision makers. I don't know if I can agree with it. I, I, you've seen West Tigers blow up. They're asking, why should we bother? And we've been asking them for seven years the same thing. If a guy has overseen the worst run of non-finals results in as long as I can remember, honestly, and going back to 1985, I can't remember back that, but that's when I was born. Spoiler alert, I'm old. And they've just re-elected him unanimously. Now, he is part of the major sponsor, Brighton's Lawyers. I don't know what, if if anything, that plays. I would guess not. But I can only think they're seeing it the way you mentioned, Terry, in that, okay, the financial side's good. We need to bring someone in. They've been linked, linked to Michael Checker this week, which is just, are you kidding me? They had a board meeting, I believe, and came up with three ideas to help the club. Now, I can't remember them all, but I remember one. And it was that players will not carry their bags on a way down. But one of the ideas was the kit guy will turn up a day and a half before to get them all ready. Okay. Okay. No washing machines out in West. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will not carry their bags. Okay. So how are the bags going to transport them? Are they getting bellboys? And they will have beer in the locker room at the end of the game. They look like they have beer before the game. Premiership. Oh, my God. Oh, mate, this club. I don't want to bag them, Terry. We we do a preamble before this and we go, how are we not going to bag the Tigers today? And they go, blah, 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 blah. bag us, bag us, bag us, bag us. Right before we come on, what are we supposed to do dead set? I don't know. But, but if they're the best three ideas, now, now, let's, let's just, because while we're on the Tigers, let's deep dive into last week David Ferner was sacked because he had a blow-up with Robbie Farrow. Now, it's not as if Robbie Farrow is a noted good guy and great for culture. He's wrestled everyone on the way out that he can. Like, what do you do? What do you do? Like, honestly, if they if they were doing the, the in-depth investigation into it, my suggestion to them would have been just blow everything up. Absolutely blow everything up. You're off contract, good, don't come back. 
Benji, sorry, mate, terrible idea. You're sacked. Just just get rid of everyone and see what you can do. Because the results aren't going to get better. They're going to come last again next year. Do you remember the Simpsons episode where they moved it three kilometres down the road or whatever? Yep. They need, they need to shut this club, guff it, move it as far away from possible and restart it as something else because it ain't working. And judging by what's happened over the past 24 hours, they don't want it to work. Now, Terry, for a couple of weeks, we've skipped this particular segment, but uh, you came to me this morning with that glint in your eye and said, I'm angry, Dan. Why are you angry? Uh, now, it says JWH. Now, I'm not angry with JWH. I think, you know, he got his just desserts this year, um, just desserts, sorry, this year in getting his, finally getting a suspension notable of the dreadful acts that he completes on the field and the NRL turned around and said, we're going to give you seven games. The NZRL turned around and said, well, we're not going to pick him. So he's going to have to serve that suspension during the season. And it looked like Jared Ware Hargraves was going to miss out on Vegas. Now he's missed four games because the Roosters made the finals and got to week two of the finals. So he, he's missed four games. Now, I don't know who has done it because New Zealand were really adamant. He wasn't making our team. We've got much better props. He's not going to make our side. Now they've turned around all of a sudden and said, you know what? We're going to pick him. The first thought that I have is why? Not the fact that you've already come out and said, we've got better props. But why are you going to pick someone you can't play? Now, yes, he can play if they get all the way to the final, I think. Or if they get all no, if they get all the way to the final, he'll be eligible to play in round one. So that means that you're taking a squad of players where the majority of your injuries come in your forwards because they're the ones that take all the hard runs, they're the ones that get the cheap shots, and he's a cheap shot merchant. So mm-hmm. how have New Zealand now turned around and said, you know what? We've already said that we've got four or five better props than him. We select a 25-man squad. Already we're handicapping ourselves by only having 24 players available. And this is coming off the back of a World Cup where Australia selected a side that was nowhere near their strength because everyone pulled out to play for Samoa and Tonga and all the other nations that they really wanted, you know, that they wanted to play for. So Australia were like running out with a D squad really and handled New Zealand. Now, if Australia get the opportunity to pick a strong squad, you're already handicapping yourself just so this guy can go and play in Vegas. Like we're trying to tap into an American market and you want to send over a guy who's going to kill someone on a field with an elbow to a five foot 10 fella, like miss me with it. I don't know who's got into New Zealand's ear, but it definitely wasn't the selectors because they specifically came out and said, don't look at us. We're not going to bail you out here. You're not, you're not going on, you're not playing for New Zealand to two, three, four weeks later, turn and go, you know what? You can play enough. Uh, it suddenly smells it's not right, and it's it, it's rubbed me up the wrong way, Dan. Now, Dan, these guys seem to be your dropkick more often than not, but they're back. It's all yours, mate. Referees, officials, the bane of my existence. 
I just want to start this by saying I fully understand how difficult a situation, a job, a profession refereeing is. I get it. I, I refereed soccer at a much, much lower level, and it's it's intimidating. It can be difficult. But at some stage, Terry, they've got there's got to be this ownership, responsibility, perhaps. We've seen Graham Annesley come out in the preceding weeks and say, hey, so-and-so made a mistake. We acknowledge it. Too bad. So sad. You don't get any points. The mistake's been made. Now, this week we saw Ashley Klein make one wowser of a blunder, trying to swear here, where Harry Grant knocked the ball on like a thousand times out of ten and he said, nah, despite being me to the computer away. Okay, whatever. I, I maintain the Roosters are going on a bit too much about that considering they got through on a, on a strip that was missed. But when it comes down to it, Ashley Klein made a huge error and he's been dropped this week. Uh, they've come out and said he's been relegated. He's been dropped. He's, you know, he is not up to first grade standard is what they're saying. So they put him in the bunker, which to me says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the problem here and we're going to put it over here so you forget about it. Keep those Roosters fans quiet, which, you know, thank you for doing that. It's been a, they've been chirpy all week. But this is a guy who has made probably the worst bunker decision of all time a couple of years ago when the poor old Tigers, and as you'll see earlier in the show, neither of us cry any tears for the Tigers. We find their pain funny. And even we were spewing below and up deluxe at the decision he made where he adjudicated a penalty, a match deciding penalty that was just downright ridiculous. So Ashley Klein has that on his record. He's made a mistake last week. Now he's in a bunker in one of the two biggest games, or two games this weekend, so that's that's silly to say. But match season-defining, grand final-defining, where he can make a decision that probably will have a saying on the game. How has he been dropped? He's been moved from the field to sit where he's proven he cannot, and I don't mean to bash Klein. They're all no good. But I just cannot believe that after the blow-up last week, this happened. Sutton was dropped two weeks ago, been brought back, and it would not shock me at all this weekend if there's any sorts of errors from our mate G that Klein gets the grand final and it will be forgotten. Okay, I'm all for supporting referees. I am a noted non-ref falter when I can, so I think it's lazy and I think coaches, especially Ricky Stewart, use it as an opportunity to pass the buck, pass the blame. I get it. But a guy's made a mistake. You've got other ones that can do it. Sit him down, say, eh, that was no good. The heat's on. We'll see you in the offseason, come back, you know, with a fresh attitude and put someone else in the bunker. Literally anyone else in the bunker other than Casey Badger, I don't care. Ashley Klein shouldn't be there this weekend and you cannot talk me out of it. Now, Dan? Yes, Ted. Bring some positivity back, you reckon? Please. As our mate Ben Cummings will do the Canberraes, set restart. Let's get straight into it. Keon Kalamatangi. What a name. What a footballer. This guy, I am willing to go on record as saying, is going to be under tremendous demand come November 1. We've seen, I think it was the Roosters are in. Of course, they're in. They're the Roosters. We've seen him linked to multiple other teams. The Tigers have made him number one. Scarily, the Panthers have been linked to him. I don't know if I believe that just quietly. Or hopefully not. And you'd be you'd be like absolutely kidding if you didn't think Cronulla were going to have a dip. And I believe the Raiders have made him their number one target too. Is this bloke worth the money they're talking about? And is he worth the hype of so many teams going after his services? 
Uh, no, I don't think he's worth the money that they're talking about. I think there's only one back row in the competition worthy of that money, and that's David Fafita. Uh, for Kolomotangi, I think he's going to be the most in-demand player because I think he's going to be the player who would most likely leave. Like you're talking about, for mine, there's there's already two better players on the market in Jerome Luai and Tom Dearden, but they're probably going to re-sign with their club and take a little bit of unders. But I think even if you're a club that knows that you can't get Kolomotangi, enter your name in the sweepstakes, bump his price up so that way it forces out a Terrell May, a Nafu White, uh, anybody else on the roost, you know, Sewell Wong, anyone else who's not going to get the kind of money that they want because you've been that that club that's and you know what? Right now, if I'm if you know, like if I'm the Tigers and you know you can't get Colour Matangi and it's down to the roosters and and the rabbits, I'm on the phone to everyone else going, just keep just keep bidding, just keep putting offers in front of him, keep driving that up because the Roosters are going to have less money to play with. Now, it might give South Sydney a little bit of cash, but as we've seen, there's not some great players there out on the market. Um, I think he, I, as I think you're right. He's going to be the most in-demand player because he's most likely to be the, the, the big fish to leave. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's very plausible that he leaves considering that South Sydney side. There's got to be some salary cap pressure there. And if honestly, if I'm South, I'm going to Jai Arrow and saying, mate, see what you can do. And I'm trying to sign Colin Matangi because obviously, you know, he's a bit more versatile, a bit younger too. Mm-hmm. And dare I say, a little bit better future. And mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm big Jai Arrow fans, but I think he would have plenty of suitors too, so they can move him on. But mate, yeah, I would be shocked if there's not probably seven or eight clubs very seriously looking at him. Uh, probably another four or five that probably should look at him. So it's exciting to see. I agree, though. I think Luai will be the the one that most people will say, hey, we get him, we you know, can take that next step. But Colin Matangi, with the greatest respects, I think is a little bit more likely to leave. But um, we're going to pivot before we talk the serious stuff. Wade Graven made a comment a couple of days ago that seems to upset a few people uh, when he was asked about how he would play this weekend if he was, and I wish he was, as a Sharks fan against Nathan Cleary. And he pretty much said you got to test Cleary out. you got to get him. you got to grab him. you got to twist his fingers. you got to test how bad the injury is. Do you think he was kidding or do you think uh, that's what they should do? I I think he's he said it tongue-in-cheek, but absolutely. And I think why, Graham, what he was saying about the finger was because he, he was saying that you, you make Nelson captain to go to the coin toss and shake his hand and you just squeeze it, right? And look... Don't get me wrong, like I'm not advocating for someone to go and stomp on his hand, right? But you'd be you'd be lying if you said if you didn't catch him, if, if you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't at least just squeeze his hands. Just to see what it was like. It's the same as Jerome Luai. Like, I know Jerome Luai is more than likely going to play this weekend. So if Cam Munster and Jerome Hughes had any worth of salt anytime they had the ball, no matter where they were on the field, Jerome Lewis making three tackles a set. You have 10 to 15 sets in that half. He should be making anywhere between 20 and 30 tackles in the first half. So, like, I, I don't think he was being malicious in saying that I'm going to, you know, if I was playing, I'd go out there and deliberately hurt him and break his fingers and, you know, dislocate Jerome Lewis' shoulder. I think he's just saying it's a physical contest. You, you know, you, it's gamesmanship. You've, you've got to do it. There is so little between these teams. And 
I think Penrith go in as, you know, deserved favourites. You've got to take every single advantage you've got. Now, again, he was very much kidding. But you cannot tell me that a player like Jerome Hughes is injured. They're going to target him all night, yeah. as Melbourne will Hughes, because these are smart coaches who look and go, all right, we need to find a way to try and find an advantage and to get to the try line to win to get to a grand final. A bloke out there hobbling, you're running it. This is a professional sport and you take any advantage you can. If his fingers are sore, yeah, I'm running at him early and I'm running at that hand. Now, I don't know. He's a pretty good defender, to be totally honest. He could probably get out of the way. But you tell me, you run Nelson at him or you run Christian Walsh at him and he's, he's going to grab and it's going to hurt. Like, I, I know he's okay to play and I get it. The guy's as tough as, but he's human. And again, much like you, I'm not saying go out there and hurt him, but as if you wouldn't run at him a lot. One, because he's their best player. Two, he he has been injured, and three, imagine imagine what he would do. He's going to say, "Here go, Liam Martin, run it, run it, Jerome Hughes," because these folks have the football IQ of a million. Like I just, yes. I saw some people blowing up, going, "How can he say that?" As Terry said, he's joking. And two, you got to take every single advantage. Now, now Jerome Hughes has got a calf strain, right? Now, I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and hip drop, but I, I dare say that if someone makes a legs tackle. They're not going to roll forward onto Jerome Hughes's body to get themselves up. Probably going to roll down the back of his legs. If you don't believe me, just watch it this weekend. Now, speaking of the games, Terry, we have two pretty big games this weekend. We don't usually do this, but we're going to take some time to preview both preliminary finals. Now, Friday night, of course, in front of what looks like it's going to be a half-empty stadium, the Penrith Panthers host the Melbourne Storm. Now, Melbourne, you know, snuck through by the skin of their teeth, but have the players. Can they or will they end the evil empire that is Penrith after their back-to-back-to-back a million times over minor premierships and the most probable three-peat? Or are Penrith just too darn good? Can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? No. Uh, The worst part about this, you know, coming into the end of the season is Penrith haven't been tested. Right, and you might turn and say that's a bad thing. It's not for Penrith because they played week one of the finals and they just they weren't they weren't tested physically, mentally, they weren't battered, they weren't bruised. Jerome Luai is injured, but they've got Jack Cogger on the bench, and we've seen his combination with Nathan Cleary already be incredible. So after twenty minutes, if Luai is not looking the part, they're literally just going to go and hook him and put Cogger on, right? I think Melbourne have got the players to do it, but they're busted. They're beaten up. They struggled against the Roosters. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at it now. And the, the, like, you'd love, you'd love for the storm to re- reverse the, you know, the fixture of what happened in 2021, but oh, I can't seem to do it. But this Penrith team is too good. They are too good. They've got some big name players coming back. Luai, as you mentioned, and, and Tango, who's arguably, you know, the form centre of the competition when he's been fit outside of Herbie Farmworth. But, uh, yeah, look, I I want to believe this game's going to be close. I want to believe that Munster, Grant, Hughes can get, can get them up. If those three don't play 10 out of 10, there's just no chance. Like, they just they don't match them anywhere else. Whereas Penrith, okay, if Luai's a little bit under par or clearly has a quiet game, they get bailed out by, you know, everyone else. Stephen Crichton, you know, Brian Toto, Dylan Edwards. 
you know, they can look to the bench. They can bring Joe Nobody from New South Wales Cup on. Minute prelim is going to do a chip and chase and score in the 79th minute. It's just what they do. And, look, I, I can't see anything but a, a pretty comfortable Penrith win. I don't think it would be like them beating the Warriors. I don't think that's possible. You know, Melbourne a little bit more season come finals time, but maybe it is. But I just – man, I think Penrith – Penrith lead early, and I don't think they get headed. So, back yeah, to back. I, I, I think, I think, I think Penrith are going to score plenty of points, and I think they're going to do this very comfortably as well. Completely fair. But and across to the other game, Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium, which some people have called for change. Those people are very stupid. Just quietly, Brisbane Broncos oh, host the New Zealand Warriors. Up the wires, all we've heard, they've sold it out, much to the Warriors' celebrations, which I thought was excellent across social media. Well done, boys, up the wires or whatever it is. Um, can they beat Brisbane? Yeah, they can. They can. Uh, and, I, you know, I got called out um, a few weeks ago when I said I think that the only team that can match the Panthers physically is the Warriors. And, you know, they... People said, oh, have a look at what happened in week one of the finals. Yeah, have a look what happened in week one of the finals. Sean Johnson didn't play. They basically conceded defeat when they went out there. Um, I I think they can. And I think they're the more likely to cause the upset. However, 50,000, you know, 50,000 fans in that stadium, probably about 46,000 of them are going to be going for the Broncos. I think that, you know... That's just, it's going to be like what happened to Newcastle. I don't think they're going to get smacked over, but I think the occasion will get to them. And I just think, as well, in terms of the big name players that both teams have, you can't, you can't go past what Payne Haas does in the Origin Arena and what Adam Reynolds has done in his whole career. And, you know, he's won a premiership and he's been in a grand final. Yes, he missed the sideline kick and yes, he missed the. 40 minute field goal, but they were already in that game because of him. Mm-hmm. So I just think the, the experience they've got and the fact that if you have a look at the teams, they're so evenly matched, except for in the centers. I think that's where the game is going to be won. I think the Broncos centers will get them home and Reese Walsh will put the cherry on top. Look, yeah, I agree. I think this will be a much better game or a better contest than the, the night before. And I mean, you know, we we're, we're born to hate the storm as Cronulla fans, but you gotta you gotta begrudge them. You respect them. I think the Warriors have just absolutely had the season of all seasons. I think the Broncos have played pretty much where we expected them to last year, and obviously, Reese Walsh coming in has been that, that difference. Yeah, look, Adam Reynolds and Sean Johnson, Payne Haas, Adam Fanua Blake, all across the park. This is just mouthwatering. And you look at the centers, and you think there is a huge advantage. <coughs> But you also have a look, right? We, you say that Adam Reynolds, Sean Johnson, brilliant matchup. Fenua Blake, Payne Haas, brilliant matchup. The second row is the wingers, the full wax, whatever. For mine, it's the battle of the battlers. Wade Egan against Billy Walters. Like, Wade Egan, yeah. Give, give me, the, like, this game. I wish this game would go for 160 minutes, but, you know, then you'd definitely get Penrith an advantage. So, yeah, I'm going to pick the Broncos in this one. Yeah, look, me too. I think this would be, be exciting, and I think they'll just run away late. Give it maybe Reynolds' brilliance in the 70-something minute, and I think they score a late try. 24-12, that's, that's probably what you score that makes sense, which, uh, which sets up the grand final that I think everybody outside of the other fan bases wants, and that is Brisbane versus Penrith. 
Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Knock-On, brought to you by Zero Tackle. As always, they're doing some tremendous stuff on there, so get all your news, get all your gossip, get all your player movements happening from there. Dan, what can we expect on Zero Tackle this week and next week as we head into prelim and grand final territory? Well, look, next week is the biggest week of the year for us and the team at Zero Tackle. Grand Finals, there will be content out the wazoo, so make sure you join in. Uh, videos, podcasts, written, I'll yell at you. It's going to be great. I personally am working on the top five preliminary finals, which I'm really looking forward to, so look out for that. That'll drop probably tomorrow or, or today by the time this, this hits the air. Uh, and I'm also doing a Keon Kalamatangi five likely destinations, which uh, I think will be hard to find just five because I think you can pretty much name 10 to 12. So I'm really looking forward to that and we've got some big off-season stuff. I won't I won't blow my stack just now and give away too much, but yeah, this off-season is going to be jam-packed as people will be, you know, divulging in things other than rugby league, which no, 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 no. Zero tackle have you covered. It's rugby league. I, ha- I have to say your five landing spots really, really bring pleasure to my day because you did one for Alex Twal. And you didn't name Cronulla. However, I told everybody that you named Cronulla and you could tell about 150 fans that didn't read it that thought that you did because the names that you got called were absolutely incredible. I wrote a couple of them down. So, but check it out. Five play, five landing places for Cronulla. Look, there's a left edge back, uh, five landing places for Ken Matangi, sorry. There's a left edge spot for him at Cronulla. Uh, But as always, thank you for your support. Listen to the knock-on.